What up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hanging with Monster podcast. This is episode 55, and I sit down and talk with lead guitarist of the band Beneath the Hollow. It's Jesse James, and I talk to him about the band, talk to him about the pandemic and how that kind of ruined things for bands for a little bit, Uh, talk to him about uh, previous bands that he was in, Um, talked about his brother being in the band, uh, their influences, doing shows, the local music scene we all grew up on, and uh, some of the bands that influenced them and how he got into music in the beginning. So check that out and let's crank those jams. Here we go, another episode. I'm sitting here with Jesse James. <laughs> What's up, buddy? What's up? Uh, longtime uh, friends of, I don't know how many years now. Uh, I think, think we stumbled into you from doing uh, music back in the day. Uh, I think like 2002, three, four, somewhere in that era. <laughs> Had it been to three, four, so we're in double <laughs> gi- double digits to know each other for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, lead guitarist of Beneath the Hollow. Yes, sir. Yeah. How uh, so? How long uh, have you guys been doing that? I know uh, that band's been uh, around now for long time. Um, yeah. In different versions. Uh, okay. Yeah. My brother Matt and I have been playing together in this band since uh, 2003, Mm -hmm. 4. You know, we just stumbled into it and started writing our own music because we couldn't play anybody else's. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, did you you start off with uh, originals or did you start like cover band and or? Well, Matt is about, he's three years younger than me. So we started, I was 13, he was uh, nine or 10. Okay. So he was super young. He couldn't <laughs> figure out anybody else's songs. We just started making our own. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that was kind of to our detriment. It would have been nice to uh-huh. learn skill sets from <laughs> learning other people's songs, but I'm sure it helped us along in some <laughs> other way too. Yeah. Right. I guess, uh, yeah, you never had to pick up somebody's style and, you know, you, you probably sounded more original than anything because you weren't, you know, playing anybody else's music beforehand so it was just whatever you guys came up with yep. <laughs> and i mean you would learn some you know i would definitely learn somebody's songs or yeah at least a couple riffs uh-huh. you know if i heard something i really liked like oh i need to know how to play that riff and then even in the early days of trying to imitate like oh i want to make a song like that you wouldn't be like i couldn't figure it out so mm-hmm. it ended up forcing me into something new and creative so so that was like your only band. Was there any like previous bands or anything, or was was that... no? That was it. Yeah. Um, 
we started very early and we just kept at it. Like a lot of people have come and gone. We've had several yeah. different oh uh, yeah. <laughs> secondary guitar players, a couple different singers. Probably mm-hmm. I, I think the last time we tallied it up, it was like twelve or fourteen bass players. Oh wow. We kind of so go you're the those, uh, like, the black dahlia murder of uh, <laughs> 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 it's like every new album they have uh someone new fill, uh taken over. Well, it's hard, you know, it's it's like being married to, you know, four or five other people Uh at a time. And, you know, especially as you get older too, like you have more responsibilities. People don't want to put their spare time into things like that. And it's a lot of work. Right, right. Yeah, something that could be uh, viewed as like a a hobby or something like that or something to do on the weekends now. It's like, hey man, I got kids, I got a job. (laughs) Yeah, it it takes a lot of work. I mean, we all work full-time jobs. Um, All of us have kids. Yeah. So, you know, it, it made it a little easier trimming it down to a four piece, just one guitar player, bass player, drummer, and a singer. But um our singer lives in St. Louis. Oh shit. So it's uh it's very kind of get down to business. He'll come in, we don't rehearse regularly. You you know the parts. Uh-huh. We get together, we'll do one rehearsal before a show now and yeah. everybody's got their ducks in a row and it all goes off okay. Do you do like uh, because he lives uh, so far away? Uh, you do like um, stuff online then uh, over the computer or yeah, we'll yeah. send him demos of stuff we're working on so he's got it. You know he's up to date and in, in what we're working on, and then he'll come in like for a three day weekend. He'll come in like a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday, and oh. we'll knock stuff out. Okay, and yeah. then we'll do that a couple of times a year. Uh huh. How's everything going with uh, everybody now? <laughs> well, I mean we've all stayed healthy through this yeah. whole thing, so yeah. A fortunate thing. Um, yeah, that's all. another <laughs> thing right. they would throw at, at bands and, and doing that that kind of stuff. We've all stayed healthy. We've all stayed working. Um, so we can't complain much. I mean, it, it was an absolute nightmare and detriment to any resemblance of, of live appearances. Oh, yeah. We were booked to start supporting. Uh, we put out an EP that was scheduled to come out in April 2020. So we had... Oh. Dates booked, <laughs> all ready to go, all kinds Literally of... Literally a month after. Yeah. So it, it started getting fishy in yeah. the beginning of 2020, you know, February, March. Oh, yeah. We didn't it, know what was going to happen. When it first happened, everybody was freaking out, and then it just got worse. And, yeah, and, you re- and nobody knew what you were dealing with at that point. Right. You didn't right. know how serious it was, how extreme it was going to be, if we were going to shut down, if, if we weren't. So it was a lot of chaos, and then... Yeah, we kind of got that light at the end of the tunnel. We thought this year was going to start getting better, and we had a run out to Cleveland. Um, mm. We've been lucky enough that a band called Dog Fashion Disco uh-huh. has been uh, very, very friendly to us. They kind of took us under their wing, and they, they are kind enough to bring us out and cool. let us do shows with them quite often. And we were going to go out and play Cleveland with them. Uh-huh. They'll do a lot of residency shows where they'll take like three or four days in a row. Oh, okay. And stay in one spot. It's kind of a destination deal. Yeah, yeah. Just hit up uh, like different clubs in that area then? Or? A lot of times they've got so much material between that core group of people and different bands that they'll just play the same venue Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that... it's really cool. Yeah. And they're kind enough to, to bring us in on a lot of those. So we we had that, and obviously, you know, here to you know Chicago to Cleveland's a pretty decent run, so we were trying to string together three four days. Oh, okay, make yeah, a good run out of it. I I think I booked the supporting dates mm-hmm. five or six different times. Oh yeah, because they were constantly. This venue decided they were going to shut down. This uh-huh. venue decided. Yeah, 
They weren't going to do shows anymore, you know, and unfortunately a lot of venues are just going under. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure about uh, the Chicago ones, uh, I think the big ones have maybe uh, been able to stay afloat and stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah, the. And the, the other challenge right now is there's so many bands fighting for the same shows. Oh, yeah, I, I knew that was going to happen, like, I, I, I knew, like, when everything got shut down, it's like, watch. When everything starts to open up again, it's going to be like war yeah. <laughs> to, to get to get them spots because you know it's like oh we haven't been able to do anything for a year. Everybody wants to do something now, so and all of a sudden everybody's on the same cycle now. Yeah, uh huh. Everybody's been sitting. Everybody's probably written and recorded new material and ready to go out and play. Yeah, yeah. And, or or that whole year that they haven't been able to. Uh, do shows they've been coming up with stuff yep. and it's like yeah now we got all this stuff and now we want to play it and perform it and <laughs> and there's so many now like, <laughs> yeah so the, the yeah. venues are are becoming scarcer and the all the same amount of bands if not more bands yeah are looking for the the same show so it's been super super difficult to- yeah everybody picked up a uh instrument during <laughs> during the <laughs> pandemic and started bands and it's like oh shit <laughs> We're going up against all these, you know, previous bands and uh, members that uh, have been just waiting for days to open, and now you you guys just want to start off <laughs> uh, playing it. That, like, that get I in line. Probably been one of the silver linings <laughs> is, is the whole world kind of pausing and shutting down and giving everybody an opportunity to yeah. uh, do things they've never done before. Yeah, I mean, I even jumped in on that. Like, I was never. Um, I never took guitar lessons or anything like that, so I started taking. Oh, really? Uh, you were kind of just all self-taught, and yeah, my uh, my dad plays guitar. Okay, so we were raised around it. Like he always played in cover bands, did a, uh, some original stuff. Uh huh. So it was always around, and it was always available to us oh, okay. if we wanted to do something. So it was definitely a leg up. But outside of learning like some basic stuff, uh-huh. everything was kind of self-taught and taught by ear. I had no knowledge of theory or anything like that. So I decided. Since everything was shutting down, um, I started taking guitar lessons on Skype. Oh, okay. With a guy named Wes Hauk, who is an unbelievable guitar player. Uh huh. And it's it's been almost like trying to learn a language when you know the words, but you don't know what they mean. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like some reverse engineering stuff. Did but, he uh, start you off with like the, the basics or or? Yeah, I had to go all the way to the basics oh, like, okay. from a theory perspective. Oh, and shit. we did a lot of adjustment to my my technique, how I actually hold a pick and how I uh-huh. attack the string and Oh wow. Um how how my fretting hand worked. Yeah. So it it was it pissed me off at first. Because <laughs> it was like, I know I could play this, but L- now learning to walk after you know how to run. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. So it was but it it, it was worth the, the time and investment because I feel like I'm playing better than I have since I had eight to sixteen hours a day to yeah. dedicate to it. <laughs> Did uh you go into as far as like uh learning like notes and or uh you know like yeah, I guess notes and so, like reading music and stuff too, or well, not actually like it, sheet music, but okay. actually understanding the notes and the yeah. relationship, the guitar and playing and, and the harmony yeah. of the notes. It, that's that's what I'm knee deep in the trenches with right now. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's uh, helped you a, a lot doing that, then, huh? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm playing cleaner than I have in um. years, probably ever. 
Yeah. And I'm able to write a song a hell of a lot faster now. Oh, cool. Because it's it's way less meandering and just looking around for something. Yeah. If I hear something in my head, I'm I'm starting to have the ability to be able to go find it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You you uh kinda are able to follow structure, uh, note structure or whatever like that. Uh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> you, you, you start to I don't become, know about it too much, but uh, it seems like it would be, you know, that kind of thing where when you start to become familiar with, you know, like I hear this sound in my head. You start to learn words, now you can make sentences. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. Okay, well I know how to get that sound now. It's, yeah. It's just this chord, or I need to adjust this note in the chord. Uh huh. Has it been um like a, a way of, of like playing faster or just uh, cleaner and cleaner, more deliberate, less, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess um, faster would be your own up to you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I can definitely play faster now than I could before, but yeah. I have very little desire in being the 300 BPM. <laughs> oh, okay. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had had interest in that in the younger years. Um, but there's so many guys that are just so fast and oh, so yeah. good. Oh man, YouTube! <laughs> and you just look at that, and you're like, nope. And they're they're like five years old now, holding a guitar that's like three sizes the size of them, and like, and just technically shredding most of us yeah. under the table. So, yeah. like, what I'm trying to do is is write the best song. I, I want to connect with people on an uh, emotional or level. Like, uh-huh. I want them to be able to feel it. I want them to hear a piece of music, and even before a vocal even comes in, and go. I've felt that way before. Oh, okay. I know what that feels like. Oh, shit, yeah. Hit them with the emotion. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, yeah. for me especially, you know, like I'm sure you, you've played music you, and you're a fan of music, so mm-hmm. when you when it hits you and you get the goosebumps on your arm, you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't stop listening to it. Yeah, yeah. I find that uh, even um, starting to get into uh, a lot of hard stuff that has, uh, like, keyboards added into it and stuff where it's... Uh, it almost sounds like a uh, a movie uh, track or something yes. that's going on in the background the and very stuff. Thematic, and, yeah, uh, soundtrack. Type yeah, thing. yeah. I'm like, oh, whew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get the goosebumps going and stuff, but and then the heart comes in, and <laughs> then the screams come in, and <laughs> it's like, yeah. all right, let's do this. You got to check out uh, <laughs> Polka Dot Cadaver. Oh yeah, one of the offshoots of the dog fashion disco stuff. Oh okay, a lot of uh, keys and synths. And yeah, very wide range music stuff. You would dig it, I think, if you're into stuff like that. Nice. I even uh, got into some girl that's on YouTube, and uh, I can't think of what her name is now. And her name is Miss Deke. You can follow her on Facebook and Instagram as well, and on Twitter as well. M I S S T I Q started following her on twitter that would uh she's been learning the uh keyboards and pianos and synth and all that kind of stuff and takes like a track from like uh i think she did one for like carnifex or something and this added like background like uh like it would be like people singing uh like choir kind of oh, stuff awesome. uh choirs and and you know doing the keyboards kind of like a uh, cradle of filth sounding kind of stuff or uh bleeding through or something like that and uh, uh she she starts band. doing that for like uh bands now now they're like hiring her to do that and i think she's played in a few bands i, I i'll as soon as i uh, find out what her name is again i'll, I'll post it on here and <laughs> yeah check her out but yeah that's... i love watching stuff like that or you'll watch a a, a good metal guitar guy take like a, a pop or a dance song and uh-huh. guitars on it yeah i always yeah. enjoy those 
Yeah, I think uh, music. I was listening to uh, some podcast and they were talking about music and like, oh, it was uh, Gen to Gen is the podcast. It has Eric Griffith. He's a comedian who was on um, Workaholics and uh, some young kid who's an actor and they have a podcast together. And so he's like 40, well, he's got to be in his 50s and the kid's like in his 20s. So they talk about stuff and like the 20 year old has no idea. He's talking, you know, stuff about the 80s and stuff. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> he's like, oh, you young kids. <laughs> but they were talking about like music. And he's like, yeah, back in the day, you know, in the uh, 70s and 80s, you know, music had its g- genre. You know, you had rock music, you had pop music, you had, you know, rap music, you had, you know, country, funk, you know, whatever. And like nowadays, they're all mixed together uh, so much. I find that super interesting and yeah. inspiring and exciting. It's it like, like removes the rap rules. is no longer rap. It's got like, you know, rocking in it and, you know, some countries <laughs> mixed in with it. And it's like everything's just all mixed together. And it's, it's, I, I guess for the people who grew up on it, you know, uh, listening to it one way and be like, oh man, I don't like this. It's too new or whatever. But, you know, for the kids, they're loving it. <laughs> I was pretty fortunate that Matt and I both, I mean, we grew up in a musical household, so we yeah. got pretty schooled on stuff. We uh, were probably too young to technically be into. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, from the classic stuff like Zeppelin, uh-huh. Montrose, uh-huh. Hagar stuff, Van Halen, uh-huh. like we, we were around it so early, it was just there. Mm-hmm. So we have a, an appreciation for that Um and it's then you get you got the nineties grunge stuff like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Oh yeah. Never ending. <laughs> yeah. And then you yeah, obviously we got into the way heavier stuff too, and you get into Pantera and Slipknot and you start going down the trenches and all of a sudden you're listening to Morbid Angel and <laughs> Yeah, what were some of uh, your early influences uh, in music? Definitely um before I started playing, mm-hmm. the first things I can remember like really sticking out to me would be uh, Alice in Chains, the first mm-hmm. two records, Dirt, Facelift. Oh, yeah. Uh, Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of the bug that caught me. And then when Pantera, I, I started digging into Pantera and getting into that stuff. I was oh, yeah. probably 11 or 12, 13 <laughs> maybe at the most. And it was like, okay, I have to learn how to do that. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I want to do. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then it just, you know, then you get into the extreme stuff and it's like, it's never enough. You're like, yeah. addict. you're like, I need heavier, faster, heavier, faster, heavier, uh, yeah. faster. <laughs> and yeah. I was super deep into the tech death stuff for many years. Okay. Uh, that was like the phase when we were playing shows together. Oh, that's yeah. great. The hour. Like, oh couldn't, yeah. Couldn't get enough. That's great. <laughs> oh, those guys were great, dude. <laughs> that was like the bar. Everybody yeah. measured themselves too. Oh shit. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember, uh, yeah, doing VFW shows and uh, uh, Sound Lab. Uh, have, have you guys, were you guys a part of oh, doing yeah. them? <laughs> oh, yeah. I can remember uh, we did Death Crate, Beneath the Hollow, and Darkest Blood. Uh-huh. The Sound Lab. Oh, yeah, VFW yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Who else did do uh, Poison for Profit was uh, always one that yeah. we played with, too. Oh, yeah. I just talked to, talked with Chris. He'll be on... Uh, an episode uh, before this one comes out, so <laughs> I talked to him about doing uh, design work and stuff for bands, uh, doing the flyers and uh, logos and stuff like that. Nice. So, 
Yep. <laughs> those were always those were great times. It, it was so easy too. You would just you would book a VFW show, and all of a sudden there was three hundred people there. Yeah, yeah. It was it was uh, good times. That was that was probably like the last time I kind of got into like a th- local music and, and knew there was like a scene going on here. Uh, but now I don't, <laughs> I don't, I always, you know, kind of think like where would, uh, you know, lo- a local band trying to even come up with doing a show and stuff where they would uh, be allowed to do it. You know, I don't know if they oh. even have VFW shows still anymore. I or know. I know like uh, I just went to Drunken Donut last night and, and seen, uh, some bands uh play there eddie can too <laughs> he was out there uh playing but uh yeah other than that spot i don't know yeah there there was a lot there was a big time camaraderie then too like yeah even if it was a uh a show we weren't playing we would go uh-huh you know and i remember seeing everybody else from every other band was just at every show yeah 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 i would go to see uh other bands play and stuff and be like, oh, you guys playing? No, I'm just here to see <laughs> so and so play. <laughs> yep, those are good times. But now there's not really any small venues like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. We had uh, what was it called? Mojo's Coffee House that was in like Orland Park. Yep. And then it turned into a different Mojo's, I believe, like a bigger one that was still in Orland Park. I remember that one. I seen Suicide Silence there. Oh shit! Right <laughs> before they got super huge. Yeah. Oh fuck. And I think those were the people then who turned what is the Forge now. I think it was called like Mojo's when it first started or something. Yes. We played there a couple times when it was Mojo's. Um, it, it was, was like Mojo's and then the, the tree or something like that. I missed for a little a little tree. bit, and then it turned into uh, what it is now, the the Forge. I think the era when it was the tree was like 14, 15, 16 maybe. Yeah. And at that, um, that time frame, I actually... Uh, moved to LA. I was in LA for a couple of years. Oh, okay. So I, yeah. I kind of stepped out of it, and I didn't see anything for a number of years. Uh huh. When I came back uh, in June of sixteen, I think it was the Forge already. Okay. Yeah. Were you guys uh, still doing uh, the band when when you moved out to? No, it kind of just shut down for a couple of years. Uh, at that point, I don't, I don't uh, think we were without a bass player and even possibly without a singer at that point. Oh, okay. So yeah. We just kind of decided to take a, a little, yeah. It was a couple of years, but <laughs> you know, no matter like when you got the bug, <laughs> it just comes back and whether or not anything ever becomes successful with it uh-huh. is irrelevant. I have to do it. Yeah, some people uh, you know, had had like a goal, uh, you know, when they first start off of of trying to make it as a, yeah, but you know, if it's doing something you love or enjoy, you know, I, I don't plan on, you know, being the next Joe Rogan with this or anything, right. but I enjoy, you know, meeting people and learning uh, their stories and getting it out and sometimes helping people with information. And uh, that's kind of what I started. I started this all up with uh, the pandemic and, you know, I had friends that do a, a podcast and I was like, yeah, let me give this a try. And, and then trying to get all the uh, equipment at a time when everybody was scooping up uh, computer equipment because they were doing uh, classes from home and stuff uh, for classes, school. Classes from home, working from home, <laughs> yeah. everybody's at home. <laughs> it's like, oh, you want a laptop? Get in line. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, that's the last piece I need. <laughs> I, t- uh, so. I was listening to the episode with uh, Brian McIndoe, too. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. And I think he mentioned something about that. Like, 
audio hive. Everybody <laughs> wants a computer to be a <laughs> podcast guy right now. Yeah, yeah. He, he was uh, saying, uh, still, like, it, it's happening where, like, I think some people uh, try it and see, like, how much like maybe work and you know try to find guests and try to find out what you're going to talk about and such and some people don't want to do it <laughs> after maybe a few months or whatever so they kind of just stop and it's like yeah it was a good idea or a good try but same but, thing with band members oh yeah for sure when, <laughs> yeah. when people realize how much work goes into being a oh, wait we gotta have practice band. like what every week oh shit i have to learn how to play these songs right <laughs> yeah. what do you mean yeah like, you want me to go on a four-show, five-show run, and I won't be able to see my girlfriend? Oh, no. You know, and I'm, and I'm sitting here with a wife and three kids and a full-time job going, yeah, we're taking a three-day weekend and we're going to do some shows. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to love it. Yeah, you do. You got to love it to do it. Yes, because you know? there is there's no glory in it yeah. anymore. But it, it it is a lot of fun to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and play a show and meet new people and earn a fan at a time. Yeah. And we've ended up so like tight and friends with the people that support the music that uh, it's just becoming this like family of misfits. Yeah, you were uh speaking, uh your brother plays drums for you guys. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Matt has been my drummer since Two thousand three, mm-hmm. four-ish area since when the beginning. Since then we started. Yeah, yeah. I played in in uh, one band prior to that with another drummer. His name was Tony Loveland. He played uh. in a band called Habit of Force. Oh, okay. And a couple other bands. Fantastic drummer. But yeah. I was very, very young. Uh huh. Very early to guitar playing um so it was a great learning experience but yeah it was relatively short-lived because yeah. i didn't have the chops to keep up with the guy at the time <laughs> oh shit yeah we all have to uh well i mean you know starting off something it's never gonna be <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta start somewhere yeah pretty much there I was mean, one thing i never had a problem with like i'll go get started yeah you can always make it better but right you, you can't get anywhere if you don't start so yeah, I so I was in a band with my brother as as well, and I just find like you know I could be pissed off at him <laughs> more than the rest of the guys in the band <laughs> about you know certain stuff and you know him guitarist at the time and like mainly coming up with uh, the sound and be like you know I would have different influences and then he would have you know his influences and uh, the rest of the band would just be like yeah. We're just kind of <laughs> following, following, uh, you know, what you guys are throwing at us and such. But uh, I yeah. found, I found it. You ever get like pissed off at your brother? And <laughs> I have had drumsticks thrown at me, <laughs> bass drum pedals thrown at me. Yeah, um, I, I kind of took the role on as the pusher. Okay, and, and like the, I, I guess you would say, leader type. Yeah. Um, I'm the one cattle prodding everyone to get shit done. Yeah, I kind of felt like I was at certain times as yeah. well, too. <laughs> and and I like the fact that we kind of all have uh, relatively variant influences. So we, w- when I have, the, you know, a, a rough demo and I hand it to the guys, like I know Matt's going to put his spin on it and then uh-huh. I'll give it to Jewel. And Jewel's got really different influences from us, the singer. Yeah. Uh, he's really into like industrial stuff and he's got great melodic voice and i've you know he's not your standard um like i'm gonna scream or i'm gonna sing he got, yeah. he's got a nice in between okay uh where he'll kind of weave in and out of it mm-hmm. uh, heavy and melodic vocals so when I, when i have a an idea or a spark for a song and i hand it to them it never comes back 
in the intention that I had. It'll come yeah. back completely different, but it's it's it's, all, it's <laughs> oh, really yeah. fun to build it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kind of did it where uh you know, they would uh come up with the music and then I would do the vocals afterwards and such. So I never really like had an idea of what the song was going to be beforehand until like I kind of give it handed to me and then I'll you know, give them notes and stuff like, can you make this longer? Can you make that shorter? Could you maybe try this instead of that? Yeah. So. And a lot of times Jules approach will be way different than what I would have thought mm-hmm. uh, vocally. Cause yeah. I have had, I've had different periods of time, depending on who was singing for us. Like I've had to get in and like write lyrics and like write patterns and melodies and, and kind of get really hands on. Mm-hmm. And now it'll be a lot more like Jewel will be like, I'm thinking this or he'll, or we'll just get in the studio and he'll, just go. Yeah. And I'll yeah. be like, I like that, and I like that, and I like that. And I said, and maybe here's your chorus, and yeah. maybe flip this around it. But he'll do that a lot, too. Like, hey, can we extend this four bars? Can we yeah. shorten this up? Okay. And yeah. we'll just tinker with it. Uh-huh. And there's never, like, nobody ever says no, because we could always delete it. Yeah. It's terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I even hear, um, like, I've heard a band, uh, like the vocalist or whatever, say, like, sometimes I'll even have two different versions of the song that we recorded and I'll try to decide on which one I think sounds better to go with or whatever. <laughs> we, we just had a, a demoing session. I've got 14 or 15 uh, instrumentals like lined out for a full length and we're kind of tinkering through those. And Jewel was in a couple weeks ago for a, a vocal session. Okay. And I, there was one song in particular that it had some really goofy timing stuff that was kind of throwing them for a loop. And I think we yeah. did four, different versions of that song oh okay until we got to one where we're like okay yeah that's the one <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it, it was written rewritten re-rewritten did it a couple times <laughs> and re-re-re-re-re-written <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah it's fun though to tinker with that stuff and then finally you know hit that this is it moment and then be like oh yeah here we go <laughs> well you know you feel it when it's right you're uh-huh. like okay there it is yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we're coming up to the halfway point here. Uh, I know I didn't ask you before, but I'll have some uh, songs in this, so we could try uh, check out uh, two of your tracks on this episode. Uh, one, uh, one you want me to play that that you enjoy, uh, maybe playing more than the rest, or um, you know what I always like to do? I like to. Um, I'd love for you to pick the two. Oh, okay. Your favorite two out of the bunch, and uh, pick those. Oh, shit. All right. Well, I will uh, have my two to pick from, and this will be one of them. So enjoy this one, and uh, we'll come back and talk some more. And here we go. This track is track number one off their EP, and it's called Newborn. Check it out. It's all. 
and we're back i uh, hope you enjoyed that track we're back with jesse james talking about uh music and his band beneath the hollow and uh yeah did you uh come up with a a new album you're saying right before uh the pandemic yes yeah, so we did a um we did an ep with a different singer in 2018 mm-hmm. and that was uh produced by todd smith Mm-hmm. who's a singer for Dog Fashion Disco. It was our first opportunity to like work with somebody outside the, of the band. Oh, okay. Um, or outside of our direct inner circle. Normally ha- have done it with uh, the same person previously? Then? Yeah, and I do all the engineering and the recording and mixing and stuff, so it's like... Oh, shoot. How was that to, to learn how to do? <laughs> yeah, it, it was cumbersome. <laughs> and it's an ever-going process. I mean, I've been doing recording and engineering for... 15, 16 years now. And oh, okay. I feel like I'm just finally getting to the point where I could put a decent product together. Oh, okay. Do you work uh, with like a lot of other bands or is it mainly uh, Beneath the Hollow? Or? Just us. At, I really don't have the time to do it. Okay. For anybody, I would love to. Like if I could turn it into a full-time job, that would be amazing. But yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so many people out there and it's it's so hard to work like we we work out we basically built a, a little project studio in my house so oh okay that's you know, it, sweet it would be tough to bring strangers in yeah uh, with family and kids and everything like that oh yeah and the cost of a, a commercial space these days is so astronomical that oh. it would probably be impractical <laughs> but yeah. i have done mixing um you know people will send me files and i've mixed them and or mastered them for them so i've done some some work Oh, okay. Yeah, you got the people, the chops on, on on how to do that. Yeah, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lot. I know. Uh, was it Nick that used to play uh, bass for uh, Desecrate? Is doing uh, the Nook uh, recording studio. Yeah, I see a lot of people go to him. I, I see some great stuff coming. Yeah, I heard there. some uh, good stuff from him. I have to uh, hit him up and. Uh, Get him on the podcast whenever he gets a, a free second. <laughs> he's worked with so many people we know. Yeah, he, know. he he's like booked already, like probably 
what are we in October? He's probably booked till like January or February. That's fantastic. That's, fantastic. <laughs> That's what you would want. If I could do that, I'd, I'd be able to quit the day job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I've heard, uh, yeah, some of the stuff that uh, comes out from him. And, and so, yeah, it's really good stuff. Shout out to Nook Recording Studio. <laughs> so how did uh, you get into music uh, from the beginning? Was it uh, through your pops, <laughs> through your dad? And Yeah, um, so we obviously grew up with music in the house, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and range, like pretty wide range of hard rock stuff from the 70s stuff to the yeah. 80s stuff, early 90s stuff. And uh-huh. um, he was a guitar player, excellent, excellent guitar player. One of those guys that could just sit down with a record and figure out how to play it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And my ear is not even close to that developed. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, so we were always around it. We always seen, you know, we, you know, once he had a house uh, and was out of a apartment, we mm-hmm. we were we were the band practice house. Okay, yeah. So we constantly had band members and rehearsals. And oh yeah. At that point, they were doing a lot, like of, a uncles. lot of covers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just grew up in it. It was normal, and it was never like pressured. Like, oh, you should play this. It was, yeah. But it was there. It, yeah. You probably were around it so much and seen it so much that it was just like. Yeah, Dad could do this, so let let's let me give it, let me give it a swing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? and I, I think probably that that Dad, you know, is like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to push it on them, but if they're interested in doing it, I want to pick it up. You know, I'm for it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm kind of sitting in those shoes right now. Uh, my oldest son is 13. Yeah, and he's kind of at that age, and he's starting to kind of poke around and look and see what what's going on and. Yeah, that's about the age where where the music kind of starts to make make sense and yeah. and and probably mean something to you, where you you start to, you know, this is good and this is terrible or you whatever. Start, you start so. to become a uh, a fully formed person, <laughs> yeah, and have opinions. A little things. man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's when I was started playing. Um, I was into skateboarding and stuff before that. And I oh, yeah. Broke my ankle. Oh, shit. And was, you know, laid up for six weeks. So I was like, maybe I'll pick up that guitar. Let me see that. Okay. Yeah. And I guess I had a little bit of a natural disposition for it. Like, holding a pick came naturally. It wasn't real hard. And, and being able to, like, fret notes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell I was playing. But yeah. the mechanics of it were at least the basics were there. Power so. chords? And- um. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Learning a, you know, your basic power chord. And then I would just start, you know, he would show me a riff here, lick there. Oh, okay. Little piece of a song. And then I just started playing it all the time. You couldn't get it out of my hands. <laughs> oh, you shit. Know? It would be 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Uh-huh. And that's all I wanted to do. Yeah, so. for for me, it was, uh, you know, just towing around in uh guitar, doing power chords and learning, like, Green Day or, uh, you know, some... Some punk rock stuff or uh, Nirvana or something like that. <laughs> I think Brainstew's probably one of the first riffs I learned. Uh-huh. You know, just like everybody. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it was like a lot of people I know. It was like Metallica and <laughs> Nirvana and uh, <laughs> yeah. I was a little late to the game for Metallica. Like all due respect to Metallica, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a giant fan because when I was kind of getting into it and in the formative years, like. Pantera were the kings of metal. Oh yeah, Black Album was already out. You know, so <laughs> exactly. so that that was the one that uh, just sent me into overdrive. Yeah, R.I.P. Dime, <laughs> big time. Yeah, was he like a a huge influ- a huge 
guitar influence on, on you then? Oh yeah. And yeah. he was he was a really abnormal player too, so Oh yeah. Very, very hard to mimic, so <laughs> Oh yeah. We had uh, a guitar player that uh, adored him and like <laughs> would play that stuff when whenever we had a, a free moment and I think uh those were some of the first cover songs and stuff that we played and such. Yeah. I, I think I mean of, even if your Pantera didn't directly influence you, it, yeah. for the generations that came past us, like you were influenced by the guys that were influenced. Oh yeah, there. so you got it secondhand <laughs> at least. Uh, yeah, all them guitarists, like yeah, Dime was, <laughs> Dime was the man. I, I before that, it was probably like Eddie Van Halen was, <laughs> right. was their influence, and yeah. well, he's kind of the last guitar hero mm-hmm. I could really think of, like that larger than life rock star guitar player that did something super unique yeah and not to take away from any of the the amazing current players that are out there but right. i just don't think there's any rock stars left yeah that have that whole uh life i don't know what it, what you could call it but that whole uh they have like a larger than life type yeah yeah yeah. just like when you met him you knew <laughs> and everybody or, so or seen him now. like yeah that guy that everybody wanted to hang out with or learn from or be with or well, most of the guys that are on that level of talent mm-hmm. aren't in a band that is popular enough or big enough for it to be like their full-time income. Yeah. You know, the, the industry is totally different than it was to, then, too. So playing as Beneath the Hollow, uh, were there a lot of bands that uh, you guys open up for and, and get to play with? A lot. We've been super, super fortunate. Um, I will try to just go through the list off the top of my head. I can remember our First national show was I was a junior in high school, mm-hmm. and we got a chance at the rave. Oh Milwaukee, yeah, and we got to open for Guar and Devil Driver. Oh shit! So it was crazy. Damn, so that, that was my first real taste of like playing big shows. Did Guar have like their full on uh, stage show? Full and... deal. Oh sweet! <laughs> it was nuts. I stayed at the back. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I did not get covered in goo and blood and everything else. <laughs> they they were, uh, but they were very nice to us. They were everybody was really cool. And Devil Driver. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, and that was Devil Driver 06, so like on the touring cycle for the second record. So they were like just getting to be like a big deal. Oh, okay, yeah. I've been a a Devil Driver fan from like day one. That first record was awesome, but when the second one came out, uh, Fury of Our Maker's Hand, when that one came out, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) These guys are going to be amazing. (laughs) Yeah, some of my uh, earlier concerts... uh... One of them was Limp Bizkit, and that was the time when uh, uh, they were still touring their first album. And they uh, the show that I seen was, uh, I can't remember who opened, but then it was Cold Chamber, Seven Dust, and then uh, Limp Bizkit. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, Cold Chamber was uh, s- still new, and and so. That was like the, the tale of the new metal stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. The whole. Uh, Lots of love for that. So West Borland was a. It is a grossly <laughs> underrated uh, guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of his uh, solo stuff was was crazy to to Even listen if, to. If and... you really get into the trenches, a lot of the Limp Bizkit stuff, like some of the big giant chords he's playing, he's always had immaculate guitar tone. Mm-hmm. Guy's a great player. The guy's from Corn too. Like uh, oh, I yeah. seen Corn for the first time in eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, with Allison Chains. Oh shit! And it was unreal. Yeah, it, it was like. I felt like a little kid. They were, <laughs> they were both so good. Alice in Chains was fantastic. Corn was 
super fantastic. Yeah, I caught them in the the family what was it called family values tour, and it was uh, corn, Limp Bizkit, Ice Cube, Ramstein, uh, Orgy. I think maybe played. Nice. And uh, days. yeah, yeah, that's what <laughs> Rams. <laughs> so Ramstein <laughs> has this thing where uh, the lead singer I can't I don't remember what song it is, but he comes up with a. Uh, a fake dildo and he pulls it out of his pants <laughs> and it's connected to a fire hose <laughs> and someone in the back turns it on and he like sprays the whole front row or whatever. And so they did that for the show uh, that I was at. And like, um, he goes out in the back and it's like maybe 30 seconds, 40 seconds, 50 seconds. Like they're still playing the song and stuff. But like no lead singer, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? So then, like after a while, they they just stop, and then like uh, I can't remember. Maybe the rest of the band's like uh, members come out, and they're like, oh, our lead singer just got arrested for <laughs> for <laughs> public indecency or, or, or something, <laughs> and uh, they they. You know, that was their set or whatever. That's amazing. I was like, holy shit, really? Good behavior. <laughs> yeah. How did they, how'd the cops even get back there that fast? Yeah, I don't know. They were waiting for him in the, <laughs> the back, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know uh, what was up with that. Or maybe it was part of the show or something. Or, or I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that. Was yeah, that. <laughs> that, was, that was our early uh, our early shows. We... We did um, three or four dates on Summer Slaughter 2009. Oh, okay. It was uh, after the burial, Necrophagist. Um, was that at the Forge or? We did the Rave, uh-huh. and I can't remember the other two that we did, what venues they were, mm-hmm. um, but it was it just regionally. And that was pretty, that was an amazing year for Summer Slaughter. Uh, um, you get a lot of love from the other bands, and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they they uh, beneath the masker watched our set. Oh, okay. And I was like, I don't want to play guitar in front of this guy. Like, why do I have to do this? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask. Uh, yeah, getting to play with some uh, opening up for you know some bigger bands and how nerve wracking <laughs> is it to be like, oh shit, I got so and so on the side of the stage looking at me. <laughs> I can tell you the one of the handful of times that I have got nervous. Um, one was we got to open for Exodus and Goat Horror. Mm-hmm. at uh, the Pearl Room, and we got delayed because Arsis was supposed to be on the bill, and oh. they had a van issue. Oh, so okay. <laughs> we were getting ready to go on stage. There's a couple hundred people there. Great show for us. Like, we're pumped. You know, yeah, super yeah. We're excited. Uh-huh. And the stage manager runs up. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go yet. Oh. You guys are going to get pushed back half hour, 40 minutes. Oh. I'm like, okay. So we're just staying in back, staying warmed up. Yeah. And we peek out. We're... After the delay, the fucking place is packed. Oh, so shit. Like, Uh-oh, <laughs> the I'm longer little... you guys wait, the more it fills up. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm getting a little nervous, and I and I see Sammy Duay from Goat Horror, mm-hmm. like, just meandering around, just wandering around. I'm like, oh, God. I'm a huge Goat Horror fan and uh-huh. a huge Acid Bath fan. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> that was nerve-wracking enough. We get, like, into the first song, and Gary Holt is at the side of the stage. Uh-huh. And I'm like, this is not cool. Like, why? That that's the last time I got butterflies and could, got the nerves. Can you like leave? <laughs> I'm like, go to back. But he, no he disrespect, nice. but uh You're making me nervous, okay? <laughs> no, but he he was very cool. Like he just sat there, like he watched the set and it it was super, super cool. Give you a minute to 
crack a few, <laughs> crack a few, and uh, I got to relieve these <laughs> jitters. Yeah. It, it took about a, two songs, and then I started to feel good because the, the okay. crowd warmed up really, really fast. There, oh yeah, out in pits and everything, and and you never know what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. We've played with such wide range of bands, like you know when you're when you're playing with a band like Exodus, you're like, is this audience toxic be... waltz? Yeah. Is that all they want to hear? Are they going to throw shit at us? Uh, and it's the same thing. Like we've played with a uh, radio rock band called 10 years. Uh huh. And they were super, super nice guys and they were excellent live band. Yeah. But going in front of that audience, I'm like, we're going to be way too heavy for these guys. Oh, okay. Throw tomatoes at us. You know? <laughs> Get off the stage. Right, I'm yelling. I don't like it. Yeah, but no, we we've been lucky enough. Like we've been pretty well received at like every show we've played up from a national perspective. Like we've never had a situation where the crowd just like was dead on us. Mm-hmm. Like we at least win some of them over. Okay, yeah, that's cool. And I find that generally, like if you believe in what you're doing and you're not phoning it in, right, you're gonna get at least some buy-in from the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna uh, receive that uh, what you're giving out and and dig it <laughs> yeah and uh the one of the last national shows we did before everything got shut down mm-hmm. uh the last group of them one was uh mushroom head at oh. the forge oh okay which was an awesome crowd the crowd was very nice to us we did real well with merch that night um nice but i spent the entire you know 35 40 minute set just hitting my guitar off of those water drums <laughs> oh yeah that were at the front of the stage <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a funny one and then we did a three-day weekend at the looney bin with dog fashion disco that was the last time we played a show and that was november of 19 oh okay yeah i've heard about that place how how is it there it's really cool it's really punk rock like mm. diy style like real small stage you're gonna hit your head on the ceiling while you're playing oh shit. it's fun <laughs> um, but the sound system is great. The food is great. The owner, Nick, is a fantastic dude. Uh-huh. Um, very, like, super great hospitality in that place. The staff is wonderful. Yeah. It, it's a small place. It's like a 150, 170 cap. Okay. So when we did that weekend, it was sold out all three nights, and it was just nuts to butts the whole time. Oh, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, speaking of venues, uh, so what are some of the... Uh, Better ones that you guys uh, have played at that you enjoy playing at, or the Pearl Room is probably the nicest venue beneath the Hollows ever played. Okay, um, they were super kind. Us, the Forge is always great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sound is great. The people are great at the Forge. Yeah, uh, Looney Bin's a fun one when you want to get down and dirty. Yeah, and be in the weeds with everybody. <laughs> um, probably one of the nicest venues I've personally ever played was uh, I did a fill in date for i play guitar for the mudvayne tribute band uh lethal dose and we played uh the rock house in west dundee and i think nola was the headliner or hellbilly deluxe was the headliner was uh the guys the down band nola played oh okay the white zombie tribute nick shab oh yeah (laughs) i I hadn't seen them guys in years oh yeah good to see everybody (laughs) yeah i haven't I've, i've been trying to get him on here but uh he's got like Probably forty-five bands that he's in yeah. nowadays. Where he's... if you want to talk to that guy, you got to book him for a drum session. <laughs> yeah, right. I I think they have a a show um with uh, one of his original bands, Absent Mind, and they'll be playing uh, the Forge uh, October 29th, I believe. 
Nice. And uh, and some other bands that I've had on the podcast are playing as well, uh, opening up. And I uh, believe uh, the band Scarhead from uh, New York will be the, the headliner for there. Uh, I think What is playing also. So... Uh, I'm yeah. have to try to swing out to that one. A shameless plug for them right now. That'd so, like a, a family reunion. <laughs> yeah, I definitely uh, already got a ticket to go out there. I'll be up in the the balcony with the old dudes, but uh, <laughs> same. I, I am no longer the dude in the front. Yeah, getting down. Well, I tried doing that. Uh, so recently, I went to see uh, Black Dahlia at the Concord, and uh, it was my first time there, and it was the first uh, concert uh, of this year. Uh, you know, since bands started playing and stuff, and I was in the front row. Nice. <laughs> I was, I I was like, I'm, I am too old already. To... <laughs> and uh, they've opened up for, um, or no, they didn't open up. They were the headliner, but it was uh, three other bands. Uh, Carnifex was one, and uh, I'm a big fan of Rivers of Nile, and I didn't uh, know that they were on that show. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think they had some technical difficulties because uh, I think uh, they had like some music from like saxophone kind of stuff or whatever that was saved on a computer drive or something, mm-hmm. and uh, the computer just wasn't working. So they kind of did like a you know a uh, a different version of of their songs that you know, but they were still hard, and the sound in there was like so hard that uh, because a lot of the drummers use like some kind of uh, not samples, but they, I don't know. Triggers. They had like, yeah, yeah, dicks. triggers or had like a, a, you know, a pad they were hitting that would just like, the bass was just like, <laughs> and I didn't bring my earplugs for that one. Ooh. And I was just like in the front row, like, okay, who are these? Boom. I was Man, like, oh shit. <laughs> I haven't seen Black Dia Murder in years. <laughs> they're, they're one of them bands that, you know, I don't know how many records they have out now. It's got to be like six, seven, eight, you know, uh, Maybe even more. I don't know. But they're just one of them bands that, for the music that they do, you would think they would be like total dark and total. <laughs> but it's like totally. Yeah, it's, it's totally opposite. It's just like, yo, we like to have. I'm trying to get Trevor to be on here. Like, he's going to be my like <laughs> dream interview and stuff. And I even have him. Uh, I hired him on uh, Cameo to do like a shout out for me and uh, nice. the one year anniversary. And I posted that video. But, uh, Trying to get him on here, I, I just have to uh, reach out to him some more on uh, Twitter. But uh, if he's listening, no. <laughs> <laughs> they they were really cool. I I met them on uh, whatever Ozfest they did. Okay, um, yeah, that was like on the Miasma. Uh huh. Oh yeah, super super. Cool oh, that was such it. a great. Al- it still is such a great album. <laughs> I still listen to it because it was uh, it the was first two. I I still Unhallowed and Miasma. Like I yep. rocked them things. And, yeah. and not not to take anything away from their newer records, because yeah. I mean their their current lead guitar player, oh Ray man, Ellis is a monster. Yeah, yeah, and he's like totally into eighties. Uh, like eighties was like a huge influence. So like before they were playing, he was like rocking like these total like eighties riffs and I think stuff. I've seen him cover uh, <laughs> uh, Judas Priest tune. Okay, line with everybody doing the uh, you know like the lockdown sessions. Uh huh. But that guy is unreal. Yeah. Player. Yeah, just totally shredder. And uh, I remember the guy before that. He was a Chicago uh, guy, Ryan Knight. Yeah, he played an Arsis. Uh, yeah, in a band yeah. called the Knife Trade. Okay, yeah, 
Yeah, he was a total ripper too. Oh yeah. They uh they they find the I mean they're drunk. I mean everybody. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> they they find the best of the best somehow well, they, and uh, <laughs> you have to be to keep up with those dudes. Uh, yeah. But uh yeah, and then Trevor just uh blasting his Monster. vocals on there. <laughs> that dude's a beast. <laughs> like uh, for Darkest Blood, that was like a huge influence for us. Like that I would listen to that Miasma album. I think yeah. that influenced all of us back then. <laughs> I mean, we yeah, we had uh the uh, the I can't even remember what song we did now, but it was like uh, the the vocals were totally inspired from one of their songs and stuff about uh, uh, necro necromance <laughs> necromance oh, <laughs> such <yeah>. like that. <laughs> that, that those guys were huge influence. Though. I think all of us that were into heavy music at that time. Yeah, because they, wow, they, wow, they wow. like crossed the. Uh, they mush shit together. It was like all the ridiculous heavy speed of like Morbid Angel and right. DSide and the super extreme like, but that was only like the low guttural vocals and they kind of infused it with the hardcore stuff too. Yeah, it's not so ridiculous that like after three or four songs, you'd be like, oh man, I can't listen to this anymore. But it's, right. it's got like, you know, slower stuff, faster stuff, medium stuff. I mean, stuff you can bounce to and, yep. and like you know dance to and <laughs> yeah, it's great it's they just find a a great way to get the the crowd pumped into it and they're still going so that's awesome as they should be <laughs> yeah should and be. i think they even came out with uh their album their newest one uh during the pandemic they were just like yeah we got it done we might as well just put it out and then they couldn't tour you you kind of seen a lot of bands that had stuff scheduled they like weren't sure whether to start or not i think uh, yeah i think hate breed had an album they waited on i think for a while to put out yeah there was a lot of god pushed yeah lamb of god yeah uh uh-huh and then when everybody realized like hey this is going to be a lot longer than a few weeks yeah let's just get that we'll get it out there yeah yeah at least have them have something of us that lets them know we're still relevant. Yeah, we're still here. I know no one's playing, but we're still here. <laughs> and it's good for people to have something to check out. And yeah. get it. one of my favorite records of all time right now is uh, from a band called Alluvial. Okay. That's who I take guitar lessons from. His, his name is Wes Houck. It's his oh, band. They right. put out their first uh, label debut on Nuclear Blast this, this year. Came oh, out. nice. Uh, it's called Sarcoma. And that record is the first, like, death metal world um but a lot more influences to that um yeah. but it's like the first real heavy record that has like just hit me with a baseball bat in uh, years oh shit i'll have to check that one out yeah you, you would you dig <laughs> that one man it's everyone uh, go check it out <laughs> nuclear blast it's on yep okay uh band's called alluvial and the record's called sarcoma and yeah. the singer is uh kevin muller who was mm-hmm. in suffocation oh oh okay uh, yeah i think there was uh you know, so, some um, bands wondering what was what he was gonna do after suffocation, and uh, West yeah. locked him down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and those two. That was another. I think I seen them at. Uh, I don't know if it, uh, maybe the Forge or the Metro uh, caught them. Got uh, suffocation. We got to play with them on that um, Summer Slaughter, mm-hmm. and they were fantastic. Yeah, Necrophages was unbelievable. Oh shit! I'm a super huge fan of them. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I I gotta be honest. After the burial, stole the show. Oh okay, they did. Yeah, because they were the only band that was like 
super groove driven. Uh-huh. So they stuck out like a sore thumb, but in a good way. Oh, okay. And yeah. I just watched the entire venue just jump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel with uh, like Black Dolly. It's like, uh, you know, come yeah. on. <laughs> so you see, like I got, I sat back and I watched this perspective. Like you had guys watching like Beneath the Massacre and Suffocation yeah. that are just like jaw dropped, like staring at them. And then you yeah. had after the bur- burial play uh-huh. and the whole place just turned into a psycho fest. <laughs> oh, nice. And that was, that was kind of one of the shifts for me where I was like, Okay, I'm never gonna play as fast as and in, in technical as some of these other bands. Like, I want to make the people go up and down like that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Get some groove action going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's what uh, kind of has changed uh, the music styles of uh, some some bands nowadays. You know, where uh, like Body Count has said, you know, when we started off, you know, doing you know doing their Body Count stuff, which was. Uh, not necessarily rap metal, but it was uh, groove driven, you know, uh, stuff from like suicidal tendencies and Black Sabbath and, uh, you know, uh, Slayer, even that he uh, has influences from. But he's like, yeah, we went overseas uh, to do this stuff. And, you know, all the kids just like turned it into a mosh pit <laughs> rather than just banging their heads. And they were like, you know, like dancing to it and, and such like that. So, uh, a lot of, uh, bands who probably go overseas and, and get, uh, different, um, reactions to their music are like, okay, yeah, there's starting to feel the beat and stuff to this stuff. And, you know, it all can't be blast beats. and <laughs> Yeah, and so. one that, that, that wears out, it's welcome after a bit. You know? Yeah. And you can kind of see it, like, if you follow, like, certain bands' uh, careers and, like, listen to their, you know, more mature records, you start mm-hmm. to see, like, you can tell that they are, they're figuring out their formula. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Reacts well in a live setting. Like, uh, The Art is Murder, I, I would say, would be a great Oh, yeah, that. that's a great band. I, I still have yet to see them live, but... Oh man, it was start as soon as I started to hear them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I got the the last record I was really really into. Um, can't remember the name of the album. Um, we'll put it in here. Their album Human Target came out in 2019. Yeah, it was, it was the <laughs> one with like New Gods and uh, Make America Hate Again. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you just the, the grooves on that record. You're just yeah. like, I can see a whole <laughs> venue going insane. Yeah. Yeah, there's this new band that uh, I see a lot of uh, Facebook uh, metal groups and stuff posting about, Lorna Shore. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. But, I have uh, not heard them yet. But the I, the I growls see. that that dude, kid, young dude <laughs> does <laughs> is like, man, I can't imagine doing like two or three shows in a row being able to do that stuff because it's like, <laughs> like like really low dropped and it's like this yeah it's really crazy i'm gonna have to check them out because <laughs> i hear about it just like everybody else like, yeah you uh-huh. always see it but yeah that just happens to be one that uh pops out right now there's a bunch though that are all uh you know grabbing that torch from from the older guys and uh, uh a lot of new bands coming up yeah, I've got to shake my old man bullshit off every <laughs> once in a while. And, yeah, like, get into the weeds. Because for a long time, I was the guy. Like, I, especially like the MySpace era. Man, I would be oh scouring. shit. I'm I'm so like ready for like a MySpace to to come come back. Those like, were great. Like even if it's still called MySpace, it, like I would go back to that in a heartbeat. I mean, yeah, it it was so great for bands 
to get their music out and and to have people you know listen to them without knowing who they are. Yeah. And so they would have like automatic like fans of their music even before doing a show, and, and you know they would come out to the shows and yeah, that's that was a oh. great time. And you could go. You, you had the little music player that you know, had like uh, I don't know how many songs you could post. I think so it like, was four or six but, or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. But then you would go down the rabbit hole and you would find one band that you liked, and uh-huh. you would check out the top eight friends. Oh them, yeah, and it was you like that band? Check out this one exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like you could post all, all your shows on there and post you know whatever you wanted to. Yeah, and it was a great you could great social media. For, you could edit for edit the uh, the coding to make your you know your page look yeah. how you wanted. To, and they never told you you couldn't say anything. They yeah. never like tried yeah. to make you pay for anything. Yeah, yeah, that was long before this. Oh, you want to view this? You got to pay. You know. Huh? Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> the sponsor. Oh my god, that's it, the whole. <laughs> it's insane. You got to pay money. Facebook and Instagram with the sponsored ads all, and everything. You got to pay just to reach the people that like your page yeah all right crazy. yeah it's like, yeah this person already like i said get it, like, it like i get it there's nobody paying for it so you have to you know deal with it and such but i always feel like if there was an option to pay to get rid of all, all that crap on there you know i would do it you know right. it's almost like it's almost so like like ad. cable or something or, or or some kind of platform where you know you pay a little more but you don't have to deal with the commercials and the like sponsored ads and but. free hulu man <laughs> yeah same, same deal yeah 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 or spotify but you don't want to see the ads pay this yep, same like, thing like right. total my, total down money. for it <laughs> take my money just to get away from the commercials <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we're uh about an hour into this you want to uh give out your uh your social medias as we're talking about uh, yeah social yeah we'll, uh, any we'll upcoming shows or anything you guys are doing or no, not mm-hmm. right now. Um, Anything you're working on? Or? Anybody wants us to jump on a show uh-huh. or interested in booking us? Any openings? <laughs> call us. Yeah. Uh, the website is bth, the number one, bth1.net. Uh-huh. Okay. It's got a, uh email contact in there, like booking contact, or uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Just hit us up. Uh-huh. Um, beneath the Hollow, at Beneath the Hollow. Um, yeah. And then the website's bth1.net. Cool, cool. So if anybody's looking for some dudes to jam with, we'd love to play a show again. Hell yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. And you can also check out this other tune that we're getting ready to play now, and we'll end it with that. Uh, Mr. James, thanks for uh, (laughs) coming out for this. Uh, It's good catching up with you again and seeing you. And as soon as you come out with uh, another show or something, I'll come on and check it out. Yeah, it'd be great. It's great (laughs) seeing you, buddy. Thanks for having me. For sure. Thanks for hanging with Monster. (laughs) All right. Later.
off their EP and that one is called Lovesick. You can check out Beneath the Hollow on Facebook and Instagram. Just check out Beneath the Hollow. You can also reach Jesse James at his Facebook as well. And also on October 31st, they have a YouTube video coming out for their song Blood Eagle. So go and check that out. They have a pre-video for it. A little teaser trailer kind of thing up on their Facebook right now with Jigsaw from the Saw movies. So go and check that out as well. And remember... And you are listening to a Monster Production. (laughs) 